Welcome to the Bragg Creek Community Church Podcast. We are committed to be and to make followers of Jesus Christ an authentic community for the sake of His world. We hope that you may be equipped and encouraged wherever this teaching meets you in your discipleship journey. Amen. Amen. We are uh, continuing on with our uh, sermon series around what it means to, to kind of uh, not just have a faith that, that uh, survives this time, but a faith that, that thrives during this time. Uh, when, when all of this is different, uh, and this is kind of what we're left with, when our normal ways of doing church and practicing our faith are kind of hampered, um, sometimes uh, for us it's easy to just retreat and pull back uh, and say, you know what, if, if we can't have church like like uh, before, if we can't um, fellowship like before, then we're just going to kind of pull back and um, our faith ends up shrinking uh, during this time. And we're saying, you know what, this, is, this isn't what we want to do. We want to make sure that during this time we truly begin to live out and practice um, and grow uh, during this time rather than, than shrink back. And, and we want to also ask the question of like, what does it mean to, to live out our values, uh, our values of up, in, and out, right? Our relationships with, with God, our relationships with each other, our relationships with, with our neighbors and our community. Uh, how do we end up kind of expanding during this time uh, around those values when the things that we're used to doing just we can't do anymore? And so, uh, we're, we're talking about the extraordinary uh, life just even in the ordinary everyday moments. And so um, that's kind of um, what we've been hitting on. Uh, today we're going to be talking about that upward relationship and growing in that upward relationship, that relationship with, with God. Uh, how do we continue to grow in our love for God, learn from Him, and, and begin to truly uh, be guided and directed and, and strengthened in, in that relationship. And so uh, we're going to be in uh, uh, Mark 11 and 12, and, and Deuteronomy will kind of be all over the place uh, talking a little bit uh, about this. Uh, Mark 11 actually does start off with, with uh, a series of questions. Um, and I don't know if you've ever been stumped by, by questions uh, or, or not um, in regular maybe debate or neighbor or whatever. Uh, I was stumped even this last week. Uh, I was over at the Grists uh, in the garage, uh, having a, a garage kind of hangout while my son was changing brake pads. Uh, and little Jacob came up and uh, he was kind of climbing all over the, the back of the car and he saw the antenna and he was like, oh, you know, what's that? And I'm like, hey, that's an antenna. He's like, uh, what's it do? Oh, you know, it gets music, you know, and allows you to play music. He's like, oh, is, uh, is that, uh, where, where does it get its power from? And I'm like, well, its power comes from the, the, the car. And I realized, oh, where does he get the signal from or whatever? And I'm like, well, it's actually kind of out there in the sky and, you know, it comes and such. And I'm like, some of them like uh, will go to like satellites and, and get stuff from that. And he's like, well, how does the satellite get uh, power? And I'm like, well, uh, I think from the sun, I think that's what happens. I think they got solar panels. There's not a plug that goes up there. Uh, and then there's signals that shoot up and all that stuff, kind of like in heaven. Yeah, well, no. And then he's like, so is the sun in heaven? And I'm like, the sun is 
it's in the heavens, but it's not in heaven. Like, I don't, and I'm like, isn't it your bedtime? I mean, like, that kind of, like, just the question and question and question to the point where, like, I'm just being stumped by this little, little, tiny guy who's just inquiring about everything. Um, and what I love about that, for, for some people, like, the questions that are asked, the debate that takes place, is this kind of idea, this longing, this thirst for, for wisdom uh, of the truth and all of that. And there's this real genuine pursuit of that. Sometimes, sometimes the questions and the debates aren't that at all. They're just meant to derail. Uh, they're meant to, to kind of be uh, something that deflects the conversation. Um, and we've all had some of those those conversations, haven't we? You got into to talking about religion or politics or something, and then it gets uncomfortable, and people end up uh, trying to kind of uh, sideline the conversation or distract the conversation, and really they're not open to real live dialogue. They're just wanting to, to hit some of those talking points. And, and throughout chapter 11 and 12, we kind of see the story of, of kind of the leaders, the religious leaders of the day coming to Jesus and asking a series of questions um, throughout that. In fact, it, it kind of starts off in chapter 11. It says, uh, they arrived in Jerusalem, and while Jesus was walking in the temple courts, the chief, chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders came to him. By what authority uh, do you do these things? So they, they begin to like question his th- uh, authority. Uh, later on, he sa- it says this. Later, they sent some of the, the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and said, Teacher, uh, we know that you are a man of integrity. Uh, you aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. But you teach the way of God in accordance with, with what is true. Is it right to pay imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But Jesus knew the hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me? He asked. He said, Bring me a denarius and, and let me look at it. They brought, brought the coin, and he asked them, whose image is this, and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Verse 17, then Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. So this uh, another kind of challenge uh, to him. And what's nice about that one is, is really that whole idea of like, hey, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, what's imprinted, inscribed upon that, what image does it bear, give it back to Caesar. The, the really fascinating thing that with Jesus in this time, he's like, and give to God what is God's. And basically as an image bearer, what's inscribed upon us, give back to God. So he's really saying, you know what, give that coin to Caesar, but give yourself to God. And so it's that's why they like walk away. It's truly amazed, not only not being able to, to trap him, but also the, the deeper meaning behind uh, all of this. Verse 12 says, Then the Sadducees, uh, who said there is no res- resurrection, uh, came to him with a question. And they began to ask about uh, Moses and oral Torah and, and marriage and all of that stuff. And they kind of go through that whole thing. Um, and we finally then get to verse 26 of chapter 12. Uh, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, Jesus uh, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor 
as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Verse 32. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. So we begin to see within these two chapters, him getting challenged time and time again. And, and this last statement is, is kind of an, an interesting one. Um, if you had like the chance to ask God one question, like what would it be, right? If you had a chance to, to come, like you want to ask like silly questions, right? Um, like what's the best TV or, you know, that kind of stuff. No, you're going to come with some of the most important things, right? Uh, and it's, it's very interesting too, this whole dialogue where he comes and he, the, the, asks Jesus, hey, what's the most, uh, the greatest commandment? Jesus gives the answer. And he's like, you're right in, in that. Telling Jesus like, yeah, I, I know that, but uh, I'm just testing you kind of deal. So there's this weird dynamic that's going on in this story anyway. Um, and, and I don't know if you've bumped into people like that who ask you a question and you give the answer and then they're like, yeah, I knew that as well. And just like, I just wanted you to tell me. Uh, you know, that, that's just regular kind of conversation that, uh, that can go off the rails, right? So what we see taking place here, though, is that Jesus is, is taking uh, one of the, the uh, main statements of faith, um, the, the Shema, and, which is in Deuteronomy 6, and combining it with Leviticus 19. And he's saying, um, you know what? The Shema is central uh, to this. Uh, the Lord your God, love the Lord your God uh, with all your heart, soul, mind. The Lord is one. That whole thing. And then the, the Leviticus 19, the, the love your neighbor as yourself. Except when he does it, he expands on it a little bit. Expands on who is your neighbor uh, in opening it up beyond just, just uh, the, the nation of Israel. And so we won't talk necessarily about that part of it today. But we, we, we do want to talk about that first statement, uh, the whole Shema, right? In Deuteronomy 6, it says, uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Uh, the Shema uh, was important and is important um, for, for the, the Jewish uh, faith today. There's, uh, it's um, recited morning and, and night as, as some of the prayers uh, there's particular ways like standing and concentrating. Um, there's other uh, kind of uh, aspects to it. They added a few more uh, words uh, at the beginning uh, just so that all of the, the letters in it adds up to the number of parts of the body and all that stuff to say like we give our whole body to this. So it's like a, a supremely important kind of statement of faith um, for, for the Israel people. And for us, we, we understand that um, it, it has some echoes around who we are as well. Uh, it's, it's good, obviously. Jesus repeats it and says this is something that's, that's important. In fact, this is probably the, the closest that we see Jesus giving some sort of creedal statement, right? Is to say, love God and love others. The, the, the centrality of the Shema and then loving your neighbor as well. 
And so loving God, it really ends up looking like a couple things to us, right? Uh, when we take the Shema and look at it, we say, hey, loving God is, is really a, a commitment to lordship or ownership, right? Uh, to say uh, the Lord your God is one isn't just a theological statement to say like, oh, you know what? The, the dividing parts of God, there's only one God kind of stuff, one God and no other gods. It's more of a statement of lordship, of ownership to say, you know what? Um, there is only one person to whom I, I serve. You are the one God. And so my allegiance is, is to you. And so there, it really is a statement to say, hey, uh, it's not, not doctrine that I'm caring about. It's actually about the fact that you are truly my Lord, my King. You are, I belong to you. And so it's really a, a beautiful statement uh, in this. It's also a commitment to re uh, relationship. In verse 5, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. It's meant to be internal. It's meant to be felt and embodied. It's meant to, to be relationship. This love is, is to go further than just a statement of, of fact, um, but definitely uh, entered, entering into a, a type of relationship there. And it's also a, a commitment to action. It says, uh, not only with your mind, but with your strength as well. And so this, this lordship, this commitment to, of ownership, this love to God is meant to be acted out, right? Is to be lived out. And so we see some of those things uh, taking place within this one little statement of the Shema. And so loving God means those things, right? Uh, it means giving a complete ownership of your, your body, your, your love for him, your relationship, uh, and your actions uh, to him. But how do we go ahead and grow in some of that upward relationship? It's one thing to, to say, you know what? Uh, you're my one God. You're the, my Lord. You're the one who I, I serve. My allegiance is with you. But it's another thing to say, you know what? I want to grow in that. I want to experience that more. I want to, to begin to be a, a person that is strengthened in that relationship. Um, and so how, how do we go about doing some of that? I think there's a few things that, that pop up in Deuteronomy 6, just following the, the Shema, that actually help us in our, our growing in our upward relationship with God. In verse 6, it says this, These commands that I give you today are to be upon your heart. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I, I think there's a couple kind of hints in there that will help us in really understanding what it means to kind of then grow uh, in our relationship in God. The first one is this, is to, to know the, the word, to know the word, like to truly know the word. It says, these commands that I give you to, today are to be upon your hearts, to be upon your hearts. And so there's this idea that, you know what, one, you've got to know the word. You've got to, like, have experienced it and hear the word. You need to internalize it, and you need to begin to, to make it real. One of the things that I, I love about, like, 
uh, the evangelical tradition, even though uh, I'm angsty many times and I critique it and, and kind of you look back at kind of the church culture that you, you grew up in and you can say, you know what, there's a lot of things we got wrong or there's things we emphasize that maybe shouldn't have been emphasized. And it's easy to critique, definitely easy to critique. Uh, but one of the things I really like about the evangelical tradition, in which that is what we kind of are, is the idea that, you know what, we're going to take the Bible seriously, and we're going to take Jesus seriously, and we're going to take it seriously enough to say, you know what, it makes transformative difference in my life today. That there's this interactive thing about understanding the Word of God and participating in knowing the Word, Jesus Christ, and it makes a difference day to day, moment by moment. And so there's, there's something really beautiful about that. This isn't a distant, cold religion. It's not about just doctrine and statements. It's about this relationship, this interactive participating with the Word. And for, for us, uh, the, in Deuteronomy, it says, you know what? These commandments are to be upon your heart, to be upon your heart. Uh, in fact, you know what, we, we see that being part of the new covenant, right? Where, where uh, in Jeremiah even, it says, you know what, no longer will the, the words be written on stone, but it will be written on, on your heart so that you will know me. And so that is what we want to encourage here. One way to grow in, in our upward relationship with, with God is to, to be committed to knowing the word, Committed to knowing the word. There's a bunch of uh, passages that speak about this. Psalm 1 said, Blessed is the one who does not walk in, uh, in steps of the wicked or stand in the ways of sinner uh, or take a seat uh, in the company of mockers, but who delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by a stream of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. And Joshua says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. In John, though, it switches gears a little bit. And the father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You've never heard his voice nor seen his form, nor does, does uh, his word dwell in you, for you do not, not believe in the one uh, he sent. You diligently study the scriptures uh, because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have eternal life. So it's really interesting. Jesus begins to, to take the emphasis upon just this external word of God and saying, you know what? Those external word of God's were meant to point you to me, the word, the word becoming flesh. And he's like, I want you to know me, not just about me, not just the words around me, but I want these words to bring you to me. Later on in, in John Jesus answers, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, uh, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. In 1 Corinthians, it says, So let no one boast about human leaders, 
for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all things belong to you and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. And so we begin to see a shift saying, you know what, in knowing Jesus, once you know Jesus, you begin to know all truth. And all the truth that you then receive because you are in Jesus is truth for you. It's not subjective. It's just that we are planted in the true, true one, the word of God. And then when we receive truth from from other places, it belongs to us because we are planted in Jesus, because we know the word. The word is in us and, and we abide in the word. In fact, we see in John 14, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And so this whole idea of, of knowing the word, knowing the word, becomes very much internalized and very real. It's participatory. It ends up being something that is, is in and through and, and truly empowering us in a remarkable way. In fact, the Holy Spirit comes and, and teaches us truth, counsels us in truth. And the Holy Spirit also then reminds us of what Jesus said, reminds us of the ways of Jesus. And so we need to constantly be attentive to that, constantly being saying, you know what? I want to know the word. I want to know you. And, and honestly, that's why we always say, you know what? Uh, Jesus is the, the center of, of kind of what our church is about, right? If we're going to be fundamental in any sense, we want to be fundamental in the relationship of knowing Jesus, right? We, we don't want to be a Bible fundamentalist. We want to be a Jesus fundamentalist, Right? We want to, to allow the Bible, the scriptures, those things to point us to Jesus. But in and of itself, it's not the thing. Jesus is the thing. And so we are unashamedly always talking about being a student of Jesus and knowing Jesus and his words truly living and embodying in our lives. And so if we want to grow in our relationship with, with God, if we want to continue to participate, we need to be building ourselves on that type of a foundation of knowing Jesus. Second thing I think that, that we can participate in uh, to, to help us grow in our relationship is not only knowing the word, uh, but also making it a, a, a conversation, Right? Um, making it something that is interactive, right? Learning in community and in relationship. Verse 7 of Deuteronomy says this, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. And I love that kind of imagery, uh, both the impressing upon children, but also just the idea of like, always have these words around you, always be talking about it. Always, you know, uh, while you're walking around, while you're, you know, getting ready uh, to, to go somewhere, always have it really close that it ends up being part of the conversation. And conversation means what? This back and forthness, this relationship, this dialogue. 
Um, too often we, we really say, you know what, our faith, again, uh, should be private, right, and kept to ourselves. And many times we practice that private faith. And, and it ends up, one, being very lonely, but also it can, can go down the wrong path really, really quick. If I am the only one who, who uh, in my head determines what is right and wrong and truthful or God's word or all of those things, I can easily go off base. And I need community to constantly be saying, hey, what are you learning? What's God saying to you these days? And as I begin to dialogue in that, my community comes alongside in love and says, hey, Dave, we think you're off on this one, you know? Uh, your ideas uh, around stealing from your neighbor as an act of worship, just that's, I don't really see that as part of, part of uh, the godly, righteous life that God's calling you to. We need community. This whole thing is meant to be lived out in relationship and in dialogue with one another. That's how we grow. We're challenged time and time again by others as they grow in it as well. In Hebrews, it says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled uh, uh, to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one, one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So spurring one another on. Have you guys considered that as part of your calling uh, to spur each other on toward love and good deeds, right? It's part of, of what we were designed for to be in relationship and have the word challenge us in those relationships, in that conversation. In Colossians, it says, let let the message of Christ dwell uh, among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in in word or deed, do it all, uh, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so we see that, that it is meant to be uh, conversational, relational. It's meant to be found in community. We've talked about this before, that uh, many of the you statements in the scripture are, are plural. It's the use guys statements, right? The all y'alls kind of statements that, that are throughout the scripture. When we read it, sometimes we just see you and it's like, oh, it's just talking about me, right? But those are always meant to be many times like you guys. And so they're written in this wider scope that, that saying, you know what, this whole thing is meant to be done uh, in community and in relationship. In fact, we see time and time again, um, there is uh, the letters being sent to the assembly, right? Uh, to the assembly, not just to uh, a particular uh, person. So we, uh, we need to make sure that we practice community. And let's be honest, um, 
loving, uh, having the, the love of God in our hearts and in our minds, uh, but practicing loving can only be practiced what, when you have someone to love, right? Trying to, to participate in, in being long-suffering, right? Uh, that only takes place when you're in a relationship that causes you to need to be long-suffering, right? Which is the church, which is community. And so if we truly want to grow in our upward relationship, we need to be focused in conversation with one another. Definitely. The third thing, real quick, is we need to experience it. We need to to make it practical. Verse 8 on Deuteronomy 6, it says, Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, that's an interesting little uh, picture. And uh, many times the, the, the people of God would take that very seriously. And they would uh, bind them, uh, wrap them, and tie them on uh, their foreheads, taking it very literally, placing little words of God in, in those boxes and carry it or, uh, around. I think what the heart of this really is, is beautiful is, yes, it's great to have those reminders, you know, put something on that mirror while you're brushing the teeth. That's totally fine and good, that little verse of the day. Very okay to, to do those types of things. What I like about this is like, you know what? Make sure that the word of God is in all little aspects of, of your home and of your life. You know, it's, it's talking about door frames and, and gates. It's talking about just your, your own person. So when it comes to growing in the, 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 the love of God, growing in our relationship with God, learning from God in a, an appropriate way that is fostering a life-givingness, we need to make it practical. It needs to actually make sense today. He's not saying, hey, go to the synagogues and tie them up and put banners and, and flags and, and posters there. He's like, do this in your home. And, and if we don't allow the word of God to just be lived out in practical, practical ways in the everydayness of our life, then it, it doesn't make sense. It's not good news for us. It's not good news for anybody. When it just becomes a theory or when it just becomes something that we participate at on a Sunday morning but has no no play within a regular society at school or at work, in the neighborhood, at my home, then it's just not good news. And we're not going to grow in in the way of God. We're not going to grow in our relationship when it becomes subjugated to just the holy days in the holy places. And so we need to experience it. We need to make it practical. In John uh, 15, it says, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. So he's like, it's my Father's glory that, that you actually, it actually changes you and you bear fruit that it actually makes a difference in you. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved 
you. Again, this is making a difference in real life uh, living and relationships at the grassroots level, loving each other. Therefore, everyone who hears the words of mind and puts them into practice is like a man who builds his house on the rock. The rains come down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the, the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rains come down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. We, we read those verses yesterday about what it means to have our foundation in the right places. In fact, for, for us, um, we sometimes, especially within our, our, uh, our, our world, our culture of today, the Western culture of today, we end up compartmentalizing all of our life, right? We've like, okay, we've got, you know, this is our work stuff. Uh, this is our, you know, home stuff. Uh, this is our recreation stuff. This is like house stuff. This is family stuff. And we end up putting all of these things into all of these little boxes, right? And sometimes we like to keep those dividers on, right? Um, where it's like, oh, work shouldn't interfere with this or this shouldn't interfere with the other. In fact, we get ourselves into trouble that way too, right? How many times when have you heard the excuse, oh, that's just business, meaning what? It ends up meaning that, oh, you know what, business is business and you're allowed to cheat and steal and do whatever you can because it's just business and it, it's nothing else. But, but for the Hebrew people, when you were to go and ask them, hey, uh, how's your spiritual life? They wouldn't really know that question at all because for them, all things are spiritual. The, the whole thing is spiritual. The house and the work and the family and the recreation and the rest and everyday participation, every moment is spiritual. So for you to go and say, hey, how are you doing in your spiritual life? They're like, what? You mean my life? That would be the question. And we need to, to really understand that like, uh, we need to begin to allow those divider lines to be broken down a little bit and allow the Spirit of God to be practical and experienced in all of those areas, all of those compartments. And we don't just keep them separate. In fact, uh, within the, the, the Hebrew scriptures itself, we understand that like the word to, to know, yada, uh, is not just a knowing here, but it's an experience, right? Um, in fact, uh, right at the very beginning, you might remember these uh, verses. Um, children, close your ears for this one. Uh, in Genesis 4, it says, Adam knew, which is Yada, his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain. Cain knew, Yada, his wife, and she conceived and bore uh, Enoch. Adam knew, Yada, his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. And so that word, Yada, is no. Adam knew his wife, and so on and so forth. Jacob, you could ask me questions later about that one next time I visit, uh, for sure. So, but in the Hebrew scriptures, that's the same word. Later on, it says in Psalms, the righteous know, yada, the needs of their, their animals. 
but the mercy of the wicked is cruel. In Jeremiah, says, but the beautiful cedar place does not make a great king. Your father Josiah uh, also had plenty to eat and drink, but he was just and right in all his dealings. That is why God blessed him. He gave justice and helped the, help to the poor and needy, and everything went well for him. Isn't that what it means to know, yada, me, says the Lord. And so this, this thing, this word, this knowing, is, is a knowing that's experiential. It's a knowing that is practical. It's a knowing that is, is actually engaging. And too often we're like, oh, if I, if I just know the truth, knowing the truth is just this cognitive thing, this mind thing, rather than knowing the truth where it's, it's participatory in everyday moments of our life. And I want to encourage us that we make this thing real. That as we participate in knowing the word, that it truly does uh, come to a place where we experience it in all areas of our life. Once we begin to, to, to live that way, we will grow in our relationship with God. It will help us in our, our pursuit of, of being in this loving relationship with, with God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So for us, I want to ask a couple questions uh, the, the most important one is the question that we should be asking each other all the time. Hey, what has God been saying in your life? Uh, and what are you doing about it? So in your up relationship, your in relationship, your out relationship, what has God been saying to you in those relationships and in your life? And what are you doing about it? That's what we're asking even the most basic question around when we gather in uh, our pod groups, but even regardless of pod groups, just in your relationships, as you, as you go and connect in garages or on patios or over the phone or whatever it is, let's remember to, to bring these, these questions up. And in our upward relationship, we want to be people who are constantly learning and growing, learning and growing. And so, you know, what are you reading? What's the stuff coming into to your life? What are you focusing your attention on? Like, who are you discussing it in? Because again, let's make this conversation, right? Conversational. It has to be a dialogue. So who are your three? Who are your four? Who are your go-to person that you're always going to call up and say, hey, I just read this thing and it's kind of interesting. Or I think God's really encouraged me to do this. And, and to have that relationship, that trusted relationship is vitally important in our, our growing and then what does this look like at home? How does this get lived out? So I want to encourage you guys to, to begin to, to do some of that. Uh, we'll be sending out a few more questions along that uh, on, on Wednesday. But let's continue to grow in, in our relationship with God. Let's continue to have our, our focus solely on him to truly allow God to be the one in our life. And let's grow in that relationship. I'm going to, to pray, and then we'll uh, kind of do our uh, chit-chat uh, outside here. 
uh, for those of you online, um, Diane's going to start up the Zoom and host you guys uh, online. Let's, uh, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you again for all that you're doing, and we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that, that abides in us, that uh, continues to remind us of, of your words and your ways, uh, remind us of the truth that you're, you're pushing us into. You remind us of what it means to, to have your heart of compassion, your heart of love. We thank you that, that you abide and, and rest in us and you remind us to, to reach out, um, to serve. And so, Lord, we thank you that you are an interactive God. And we thank you for your church, the, the assembly, the people. Um, we're grateful that, that your church is living and active, that we, we aren't going to church, but we are the church. And so I, I just ask that as we uh, strive to know you more, we would open our lives up to one another to be challenged and to be uh, encouraged um, as we continue in our faith, especially during this time. Lord, when, when so much more is stripped away from us, God, we want to be coming uh, out of this uh, like a tree being planted by, by the waters where our, our leaves are healthy and we bear much fruit. And so, Lord, we're made to, to know you and to, to participate in your calling uh, together. And so help us in this, guide us in this. Uh, we love you, we thank you, and we pray this in your name. Amen, amen. God bless you guys.